Yay. Oh, what am I going to say about you? You haven't figured it out yet? No, I forgot. I'm the worst. Damn it, Courtney. Wow. Here we go. You know what? Cancel the cable. Cancel the podcast. <laughs> You're the Cancel worst person. Cancel everything. Cancel everything. <laughs> <laughs> Hello. Hello. And welcome to Kyle and Courtney Have Questions, the podcast where we try to figure out what the fuck this world is all about. <laughs> Every week we pick a topic that we have questions about and we'll do a deep dive and hopefully learn something along the way. Don't fuck with her, fellas. It's Courtney Agnew. And he loves his sparkling rosé. It's Kyle Russell. Ha <laughs> <laughs> uh. I feel very judged from last week when we I drank there like a bottle no judge. of rosé. Listen, <laughs> I was assisting with drinking that bottle of rosé. So and you left a bottle of champagne here, uh, which is just good etiquette, to, really. You have to you have to bring a you know a treat for your host. Yeah, is that kind of what you grew up with? You always you always arrive with something in always. your hand. Always, yeah. yes. I always if somebody invites me to their house for anything, I always bring something. I cannot show up empty-handed. I feel like a dick. <laughs> I feel like that's that's the way it is when you are new to someone, but when yeah. you become like family, you're just like, you actually just go in and open their fridge and ask if they, see if they have champagne instead of bringing there, it. Yeah. There are a few friends that I have that that's the case where I like yeah. show up and I'm like, oh, hey bitch, I'm here to pet your dog. What do you have for me to eat? Like, <laughs> <laughs> Bring me some treats. I'm here. Yes. Yes. But for the most part, most people I try to like bring something. I mean, if nothing else, I'm like, hey, I brought this bottle of wine. That, yeah. Like I'll drink. <laughs> Don't worry, I got it covered. I'll drink it. <laughs> BYOB. I'm prepared. How's your week been going? My week has been good. It was a really busy week. Um, we had like crazy weather here in Pittsburgh. Like literally mm. Monday and Tuesday, it snowed. Oh god. And today it is 80 degrees and sunny. You like know what? four days later. <laughs> it's springtime. Here we are. It is. And I think next week it's supposed to go back down to like 40 degrees. Like, what oh the hell? God. Stop it. Is Pittsburgh Technically considered the East is not part of the Midwest, is it? Here's the thing. I feel like Pittsburgh is both. It is both East Coast and Midwest because if you ever like see all those memes or like videos about like cliche things about the Midwest, Pittsburgh applies to all of those. Like if I run into someone, I was at the grocery store this morning and I pulled the, oh, just going to squeeze past you there. Like... (laughs) People associate that with like oh, Minnesota, yes. but that we oh. say that in Pittsburgh. Oh, just gonna yeah. squeeze right by. We definitely um, say that here. Yeah. So, but I mean, it is still technically kind of East Coast. So yeah. I don't know. Hmm. I think this is where the Midwest begins. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. But how about Sweet. you? How's your week? Um, it's been really exciting. I've been doing a lot of design work, helping some one of my clients do a rebrand for uh their uh B&B that they're running, that they opened yes. in, the, in the middle of the pandemic. And it it's amazing. Had, it is wonderful. And yeah. it hasn't had a refresh since it opened in 1980-something. Oh my gosh. So it is in need for a little modernization. So I'm helping them with that. And right now my brain is like, no more visual ideas. I cannot... <laughs> Cannot come up with anything. You else. need a break. You need a break. <laughs> I yeah. need a break. I need some champagne. Champagne. If you're from Shit's Creek, <laughs> I, I was just watching it last night. I love that show so much. It. I. I swear. I think it's one of the best shows. That, I think it is. Like in recent years, that. it's so good. 
I saw a clip of Catherine O'Hara this morning on TikTok where she was, you know, when she used to do like a sketch comedy on a television yeah. show in, in Canada and mm-hmm. it was, she was, uh, she was doing a pledge drive. So she was like a cabaret singer and she like let loose on there and she was singing it's a man's world and she was oh obviously God. very anti-man it was so fucking <laughs> funny i was oh, dying I love laughing it. i think Shit's creek is so good because it has that perfect blend of like really like funny dry humor but it also has like such like deep emotional things in yeah. it too like I, the episode i was watching last night is the cabaret show and so it's like obviously it's hilarious watching moira like try to handle directing this play that she's so terrible but then it's like that beautiful moment of stevie like belting out her song and just like oh it makes me cry every time i cry at everything but like that makes me cry every time hot take i hate that scene really i don't like her just because (laughs) maybe this time you just don't oh you don't like her version of the song no i mean it's it's not the best version of the song but i love just like that moment of like you know, the, it, it like applies, applies to, to Stevie of being mm-hmm. like, maybe now I can finally do something with my life. Like, I think that's yeah. such a like powerful moment. And then it's like the episode before that when, you know, spoiler, if you haven't watched it yet, that David and Patrick get engaged and drink their champagne. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like the last season, especially they were going hard for the tearjerker moments every episode. They sure were. <laughs> you know, it's funny you mentioned this that particular scene about Shit's Creek where Stevie's like trying to figure out what she's doing with her life because that's kind of perfectly segues into what we're talking about today. Yeah. So this is so, a story about yes. a girl named Hustle. This is Kyle, what wow. are you going to teach us this week? <laughs> we're talking about hustle culture today. And something I've learned over this process of... um research and discovery is that it's as much intertwined with the American dream as like apple pie and fireworks. It's like right in there with it. It is. And so so you and I were both millennials and we've seen a few different mindsets in terms of work ethics. You know, Mm -hmm. our parents and grandparents came up in this time of like, I paid for my college education with an ice cream cone and I bought my house with blowing a kiss into the wind. You know, I delivered newspapers for two days and bought a house. Uphill both ways with no shoes on. And so feet of snow. Right. Exactly. So, and we saw the attitudes and relationships of the previous generations that they had with work. And it was all about like job loyalty and pension funds. And yeah. you found that one job and you stuck with it for the duration of your career. And <laughs> for you just 50 years. For 50 <laughs> years, you worked as a bank teller or you moved up within that company and you eventually became a bank manager, yeah. you know, and all that good jazz. Mm-hmm. And our parents and grandparents, they kind of taught us that mentality. Like yeah. I worked with my family. We had a family run business. Uh, I mean, basically from the time I was a young kid until I went off to college and Katrina came and like took our business, yeah. <laughs> literally took our business. Damn, damn that bitch. Uh, <laughs> so I was like literally shoulder to shoulder with my grandparents, my uncles and my aunts and my dad working at this business. So I I was like force fed this work hard mentality. Um, So, I mean, I can't tell you the amount of times I've heard the phrase, pull up, pull yourself up by your bootstraps. 
I hate that phrase. And you know what? Diving a little bit, I never really thought about that phrase until I was doing this research. And I was like, wait, what does this even mean? I was going to say, please explain it to me because I don't understand. Like, what do you mean pull yourself up by... My bootstraps are on my shoes. How am I going to pull myself up by Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. So it was actually a term coined in the late 1800s to describe something impossible. Let's let that sink in for a second. It was the describing something impossible that you could not do, like jumping over a fence by pulling up your bootstraps. And that has become that is so hilarious. Yes. So pervasive in the work culture that we have in America today. Like the lies. Oh, oh my God. Us. The lies. The lies. Everything the is a lie. lie. <laughs> my whole life is a lie. <laughs> Look, I... For me, it's not a boot. It's either a stiletto or like a casual loafer. It's never going to be... Does it work with like my Birkenstocks or... (laughs) Pull yourself up by your flaps. (laughs) That sounds really dirty, Kyle. (laughs) (laughs) Steven, cut that out. (laughs) Barbara, edit that. Oh Um, my God. So if you work hard for like X amount of time, you won't have to work as hard later. That's that whole mindset. And... Maybe it's just that I'm jaded because of where I am in my particular life Mm -hmm. um, and where we are as a society. But it seems more and more like a lie. Like this American dream that we've been fed our entire life is not actually a dream. It's a bullshit. Yeah, it's bullshit. Um, So... But we're we're still trying to be sold this American dream. Meanwhile, Mm -hmm. we're working our butts off and can't seem to get anywhere, you know? Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. You feel like you're stuck at a standstill. Like with my last job, there was very little opportunity to move up, but they kept asking more and more of you and more and more and like more more travel and take on more clients and do more. And it's like, but you're not paying me more. I'm not getting more out of it. I'm getting more stressed. It's burning me out with no end in sight. Yeah. And I feel like that's where, like, I think my last job, especially really kind of like, I burned out on the idea of hustle culture of like, do more, do more, be the best be the top, put everything into your career. Fuck no. Like Mm -hmm. that career is not giving anything back to me. Why would I do that? Yeah. I'm glad you said that because I'm going to talk about that a little bit later. Um, So we will get into that. Now, like, don't get me wrong. Like in my late teens and twenties, like I learned how to work. I've been financially independent since I turned 17 years old and went to college. Like I put myself through college with very, very little scholarships. So I was working a lot. Um, So like while being like a full-time student, I had full-time rehearsals because I was going to school for theater. And I also Mm -hmm. had a job and a car note and an apartment like, and a pet to feed, you know? Yeah. Wow. When I was struggling to pay the rent, like I almost had my car repossessed at one point. So like when I was like, I moved to Chicago, I don't need, I can take public transit, screw this car, sold it. Yeah. And so when I got to Chicago, I was working at Target and making minimum, minimum wage. Um, And I was was like $5 at that point. Yeah. I think it was like. (laughs) I think it was like maybe seven fifteen, seven twenty-five. Yeah. And it's still Chicago. the same today. Oh my God. Like, let's get it together, guys. So um, and like I was I there was a point in my life when I was struggling to pay rent when I was living here in Chicago. I had roommates and like I remember I called my dad one day to ask for money. I called him one time and one time only. Yeah. And I told him, you know, my roommate hadn't paid his rent in months and I was facing eviction. And he told me I'd better figure it out. 
So I knew like there was wow, no money yeah. there to to get for my parents because yeah. like they had just gone through Hurricane Katrina a few years prior. So like, and my family was never been like a wealthy family. So mm-hmm. I knew that if it was going to happen, it was going to happen because of me. So I yeah. had to make things work. And I knew that for a very long time. Yeah. That's and crazy. I know, I know that I'm not the only person who's like had to struggle and merc, merc, Merkins. <laughs> Hard left turn onto that topic. <laughs> yeah. We're going straight for Merkins, guys. <laughs> That's where this whole thing is going. If you don't know what it is, get on Google board. <laughs> so I know I'm not the only person who's had to like struggle and work multiple mm-hmm. jobs. Like there are millions of people out there in the same boat who are just barely keeping their heads above water. But even in the mid to late 2000s, like you didn't have part-time work or work as you needed jobs, like as readily available as you do today where you can open an app and like pick a shift or like go drive Uber or go deliver something. Yeah. So, so like I, and I know so many others could have definitely used that way to work. Like, mm-hmm. like if you have a spot open from 3 p.m. to 7.30 p.m., that no official part-time job is going to give you that time slot, you know? Right. Um, or like some days when you have like a random Sunday from 6 a.m. to 9 a.m. Um, because, you know, that's that's what worked within your your personal schedule, you know? Yeah. So like this need and this work mindset we inherited and then the digital boom of the 2000s and the economic conditions that we were forced into yeah. um, gave rise to this thing we all love and love to hate, the hustle, the hustle culture. Good old hustle culture. Hey friends, it's Kyle and Courtney and we want to hear from you. That's right, you. What burning questions do you have? We will do all the fucking research. DM us at Kyle and Court have questions on Instagram. And while you're at it, give us a follow. Okay, hey, bye. bye. So taking all that in, I kind of wanted to like go back and like, how do we get here? And also like, where do we go from here? You know? Yeah, that's a great question. I feel like this particular model of hustle culture isn't sustainable. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't think it was ever meant to be what it is now, right. you know? Right. Um, it was, I think it in true hustle culture, my initial thought on hustle culture was like, oh, it's like, it's like the gig economy. That's kind of where it is. Like people just working here and there to make some ends meet, but then it became yeah. this monster of a thing, you know? Yeah. It's like now everybody is preaching about hustle culture and I'm like, okay, listen, Dave, you work at Verizon selling phones. The fuck hustle culture are you trying to do? That's the thing. It's so pervasive in like even corporate culture where it's like people are, they're, they have to hustle. They have to work all day, every day. They have to be at the top of their game. They have to work extra hours and they have to go, then they have to go out when they get off of work, they have to go do something else. You know, Mm -hmm. we're going to talk about it. Don't worry. I got some thoughts about that 40 hour work week. Girl, (laughs) me too. Um, So when I was thinking about this and doing my research, I realized that the hustle culture has been around for a very long time, since at least the 1800s. Oh, wow. Because like people back then, it was the industrial boom. Mm-hmm. And so people were really like coming to grips with these new trades and this new way of manufacturing. And so people were working and they were like, you know, it, it was still rough economic conditions back then. So people were really trying to work as much as they could and uh, provide for their family. 
Then fast forward a little bit of time and you have like um, the World War II when we had this yeah. economic boom mm-hmm. and people were able to kind of relax a little bit and have their babies and things kind of like leveled out for a while with yeah. that generation. And they started making laws that helped social security and yeah. people stay at a certain level. Okay. Right. okay. So then we get to like the the seventies and beyond. So at this point in the seventies, they've been like, uh, utilizing workers unions. Mm -hmm. And at this point, like in the seventies, the workers unions and the labor unions start being eroded by, uh, various laws. So like between the seventies and like 2020, like union membership rates dropped from like 25% to like 11%. And I know it's a crazy number. That's so crazy. And it's mostly like partly because these fields that have union bases in them, uh, like trade jobs and things like that, skilled labor, those, the need for those jobs start declining because we have a a huge like tech um, rise. That makes sense. Yeah. And so we have that kind of like shift happening, but in the tech field, there's no union representation and it's actually widely discouraged from uh, unionization. Mm -hmm. So we have kind of like this imbalance of like workers' rights versus like corporate wants. Yeah. Um, And not to mention like, yeah, these, there's suppression of unionization by the heads of these workers. Like we see that a lot with like Amazon and Tesla and Starbucks, although the Starbucks baristas just uh, won their unionization uh, rights. Uh, I think in Seattle, maybe. So um, I'll, I'll look it up. The, I think the Starbucks here in Pittsburgh in the Bloomfield neighborhood is the first Mm -hmm. Starbucks ever to actually like every single employee voted to, to start a union. Like they're all unionized now. That's really exciting. And I think and they just said now we're up to like 17 or 18 Starbucks or something like that in Pittsburgh that have now adopted and like all voted to join the, like to join a union. That's which great. Is crazy. Yeah. Look, working at Starbucks is not an easy job. It is filled with people who are, have inflated expectations about a cup of coffee, like, yeah. and how it's going to affect their day. Like get over yourselves. It's a coffee. That's a human being working right there. You don't have to treat them like garbage. Yeah. You know, it takes not, it costs zero dollars to be kind. And it's so crazy. I just saw a TikTok that I like was watching it and I just like, I've never thought of it this way. This girl is making like a Starbucks drink, you know, she's doing the whipped cream and sprinkles yeah. and cinnamon or whatever. And then she looks at the camera and she was like, this drink costs 45 minutes of my wages. Oh my God. Like, Think about that. Like when you go into Starbucks, think about how much you pay. Some people pay for those drinks. Like if you add all the shots and, you know, make it a double and add whipped cream and, you know, make it a venti or whatever. Like some of those drinks are like $10. That's more than a lot of people make per hour. And you just spent it on a drink. That's wild. I never really thought about that. Isn't that insane? I was like, I've never Mm. considered it from that perspective, but yeah. I just see like Sally Field. Union now. (laughs) Where's Sally? Where's Sally? (laughs) With her sign up. Right. Um, And even like uh, uh, Elon Musk on Twitter, like not even vaguely, but he definitely urged like suppression of uh, unionization at the Tesla plants. Like he was like, why would you want a union? I mean, like I could just take your stock away from you right now. And like something like that. And it's like, 
Dude. So fucked up. Come Don't on. even get me started on Elon Musk. Ugh. Yeah. So with people, fewer people forming unions to bargain for our workers' rights and like mm-hmm. wages and hours, we have less control of our income today. Yeah. So instead of working together, we're kind of like all going at it alone, uh, trying like going against each other, trying to make it to the top, which is, yeah, I mean, flawed at best. <laughs> yes, very much so. And then, you know, in the late 2000s, 2010s, we started getting the message on our social media, like telling us that we can and we should have it all, you know, and the only thing standing between us and success is laziness. And I really bought into that. Like, I really bought into that. <clears throat> so, at, and if you haven't seen a video of Gary Vaynerchuk at least once on your timeline about he had four jobs and the secret is the hustle and like, what side of Instagram are you even on? Like, that guy was everywhere. I, mean, I don't think I've seen that. I'll have to look. I don't oh know. I probably God. haven't immediately. Courtney, what are you like, on? Fuck you, dude. Cottagecore Instagram? Come on. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, my my Instagram is like dogs and... <laughs> That's what mine is now. It's all dogs. And makeup and hair. <laughs> and Egyptian ruins. Very period. girly. And true crime and murder. <laughs> we'll dash a murder to make yeah, it real girly. Sprinkling and sprinkling. But like... You know, I just like made a joke about cottage core, but like even there, there's like an industry that drives people to create and sell their things, yeah, hustling to you know make a better life for themselves, yeah. And it's not just like literal messages that we're seeing, but like it's the message of seeing our friends and families' successes through the lenses of our Facebook and our Instagram, right? Like, I know for me personally, like I was never financially stable enough uh, mm-hmm. up until pretty recently. And so I didn't go out a lot and like, I didn't party and I didn't have the experiences in my twenties because I just, I couldn't afford them. I had to work. Yeah. So I worked uh, harder, which took up more time and which didn't still didn't allow me to go out because I was tired. And like, yeah, I'm a Taurus, I'm tired and I want to go Listen. lay in the bed, you know, Samesies. Samesies. You know. <laughs> but like, meanwhile, I see all of my friends that are like out having the best of times, you know, yeah, not the worst of times. And, but I think that's another, I mean, that, that's a whole other topic to talk about. Cause I know when I was living in California, like I was living near Napa and I owned a, a townhome, like a condo my friends were renting, um, they had roommates and some of them made better money than me. And so it was like, I went into a lot of credit card debt trying to keep up of like, Mm -hmm. Oh, you guys are going wine tasting. Well, yeah, I, you know, I don't want to be the only one left out, but then it's like, I'd get home and be like, Holy shit. I just spent $200 today. What? Yes. What? Like, why did I do that? But it was like, you know, you, you get into this like group mentality of like, you guys are buying wine. Well, then I'm going to buy wine. Yeah, for sure. Let me, I'll just take four bottles. That's great. And then yeah. I'm like, what the fuck did I just do? I don't have money for this. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, I have I, thousands of credit card debt when I left California. Like thankfully yeah. when I sold my place, I made money and like paid it all off. But it was like, holy fuck, if I stayed here, I'd be bankrupt. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I totally understand that as well. Like my coworkers, we all, like I worked for a high-end salon here, like downtown Chicago mm-hmm. and they had an apprenticeship program. And I mean, they turned out some of like the best stylists in Chicago. They're incredible. But I saw them go from like working as an apprentice, there, working, making like no money to being a fully booked stylist within, amount, within like a matter of six months. And they were making almost 70 grand. And meanwhile, I'm making like 30 grand. Yes. And I'm like, they're like, you going to come for drinks? And I'm like, uh, I got to go. Are you cat. buying? 
<laughs> no, I would never ask that. I would never no, I ask know. that. I wouldn't either. I, no. I still to this day struggle with people paying for things yes. for me. Mm-hmm. It, which that. is all tied into this whole idea <laughs> of like our like our our worth is tied to how much we make. And if we can't afford it, we're not kind of not worth it. You know I think it's saying? also just my anxiety. <laughs> yeah. It's also, le- it's all yes. together. It's all, all one together. <laughs> so we have all these, like this Facebook and social messages and then like, boom, like the 2008 housing market collapse and like the destruction of the lives, the livelihoods of so many Americans that yeah. are just like desperate to find work wherever they can. And that was the moment I entered the workforce. That's literally oh when God. I graduated. <laughs> I was like, oh, everything's on fire. Great. Um, can I get a job? Yeah, exactly. I can tell I well, mean, I can tell you how bad it was. I was sending out, I think I had a job with a marketing company. They lost their biggest client. And so their like parent company just shut them down and they were like, we're done with you. And just literally closed their doors overnight. So, so I lost my job like two days before my first day of work. I got fired at my college graduation. They called oh me. God. I was in my cap and gown and my phone rings. And I'm like, oh, it might be my boss telling me to like come in early. So mm-hmm. I answer and he's like, here's what happened. We don't have a job for you. I was like, um, fucking what? Yeah. <laughs> it was awful. I'd already moved into an apartment. Like I was Ugh. ready to like start my job. I spent two months job searching. I probably sent 500 resumes, filled out applications. I was to the point where I was like, I'm about to take a job at a gas station because I can't exactly. find work with a bachelor's degree from Penn State University. Exactly. I'm going to work at a gas station. (laughs) Hey, and that's kind of how we got here. Because that's when Uber, Grubhub, like all of these apps started popping up where it was like, make your own schedule, be your own boss, girl boss, all your way to the sun. And it's like... Girl boss, I hate that term so much. (laughs) But like... (laughs) we saw this like influx of like, you can be your own boss. All you have to do is like download this app and you can use your own car and drive people around. And so people are seeing this, they're desperate to find work. And all of a sudden they have the ability to drive people around or to go deliver Mm -hmm. things or, you know, things like that. So we're seeing this gig economy like explode, Mm -hmm. which makes the hustle culture almost a little bit more complicated. Well, definitely a little bit more complicated because you're able to work whenever you want to. And that also leads to sometimes overworking, mm-hmm. you know, cause yeah, you're like, absolutely. I can work all this time. So now I'm just going to work all the time. Yeah. Now that being said, like I'd be remiss to not acknowledge that the hustle culture has been around for generations in the Hispanic and Latino and African-American oh communities where yeah. hustling is expected And if you're not hustling, you're kind of stereotyped as lazy. And it's like a matter of literal survival for these marginalized people who are like working like tirelessly to succeed against a system that's built against them. Yeah, that's what I was just going to say. I feel like it's almost... It's almost expected. It's it's almost yeah. required because yeah. the system is so stacked against them that it's like, you have no choice then to work these three jobs to make ends meet because yeah. you're not going to find a job that pays well enough. I mean, the pay gap is again, a whole other topic of like how yeah. fucked up it is that like white men make so much more mm-hmm. than anybody else, but especially minorities. Yeah. Like, It's fucking crazy. It's almost like that kind of like keeping up appearances with the Mm -hmm. mainstream, like white cisgendered people, because like they're having to work four times as hard to just even be perceived as someone of value. Yeah. It's crazy. 
Yeah. Um, and it's only been like recently, like maybe like the past 15 years ish that this term has been appropriated by white people. Like, and that's because we're reaching a time where wealth inequality is finally catching up to the whites TM, you know? And it's like (laughs) putting us all on a closer playing field with like middle and um, lower income America. Yeah. But even with this, this inequality is still very much more of a dangerous situation for black and marginalized communities. I just want to put that out there. We gotta, we gotta help these people out. Yes, definitely. This week's episode of Kyle and Courtney Have Questions is brought to you by the Feathered Bows, Chicago's own cabaret boy band tours regionally and internationally, thrilling audiences far and wide. Kylie Bear Olin and Kiki sing the gambit of music styles from blues to jazz to musical theater to pop, and they do it all with style, sassiness, humor, and dazzling vocal harmonies. Check their social media at Feathered Bows for information on their upcoming shows. Okay, so I love all of that background because I never really thought about like the historical aspect of hustle culture. But like, how does that then bring us to like where we are today? Right. So there's a few different concepts that I came across in my research. um, Mm -hmm. And some of them hit me really hard and I didn't really know how to process them quite honestly because I was like, oh, it was like a kick in the gut. (laughs) Um, I'm ready for it. And that knocked me down. Yeah. The main one was proof of worth. It's a concept, um, and it's a kind of like a new way to talk about overworking. Um, okay. And we start to think of it less as like our bosses are shit for making us work on the weekends to like, you're doing a great job if you're working on the weekends. And and if you're not, maybe you're just not working hard enough. And it's oh. like, what? Excuse Kyle. me? Oh my God. Yeah. Yes. The former CEO of my last job once t- like spoke to our department and told us, if you're not working every day, you're not doing enough to further your career. No, Go fuck yourself. You don't no, pay ma'am. me to work on Sundays. You don't pay me to work every day. You pay me for this amount of time. Yeah. And that's kind of like, especially like we noticed, like we saw a lot in the 2000s, 2010s, the startup culture where it's like, you're wearing all the hats and we need you to jump in whenever we need you. And you're going to do whatever at any point. And it's like, no, we got to make some boundaries, which we will talk about. Yes. And it kind of led me to someone phrased it as toxic productivity. And I was like, Oh my God. Shit. Yes. I love that phrase. Toxic productivity. Because it's like where you start to see your self-worth that it's being tied to your productivity. And unless you're doing something that benefits you financially, you're wasting your time. And that was the part that like, I I, I took off my headphones because I was listening to music and researching and I had to take a breath. And I looked over at Joe and I was like, this is where I am. This is where I am right now. And Joe's Joe's in the same boat too. I feel personally attacked. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. You know, that's so crazy. That's something that I have struggled with, with my current job. My last job was so micromanaged of like, everything was documented. You had a Zoom meeting, you had to send a report and you had to write a recap and you had to email the person. And like, you had so much stuff you had to do. And my new job, they're like, you had a meeting? Cool. You can send them a follow-up email if you want, but like, whatever. Like it's so laid back. And at the end of the day, I'm always like, what did I do today? I can't look it up. (laughs) Yeah. 
But it's, so, it's like I'm deprogramming is basically yeah, what it's well, it good. And like, I think it's, it's not as pervasive. I mean, it definitely is pervasive in a different way in the salary mm-hmm. community. But when yes. you're freelance and working hourly, it is so pervasive because you're like, I didn't, I didn't make any money today. I'm not worth anything. And it's, it is so hard on your mental health. That's Um, so tough. And there's a piece of it that's almost like performative. Like you want people to see that you're working your life away because then they'll have their perception of, look at her go. She's really doing it. She's doing something. And it's like, you're doing it, Peter. Like to (laughs) to quote hook. I love that phrase. I use it all the time. (laughs) So great. So yeah, this hit me really hard as because it's where I am in my career. I'm for the first yeah. time making my living off of being a freelance designer, and it's hard. It's really it's it's really rough because like having made certain amounts of money by only working forty hours a week, and now I'm having to my work hours cut dramatically. Yeah, um, and it, it literally makes me feel worthless sometimes if that's, I don't make enough hours. That's really tough, and that's something that like. like I can't relate to, I've always worked in like a corporate type job working a nine to five, like Monday through Friday. Like I've always had those boring kind of office jobs more or less. Um, my last job was a little different because it was like, I was in the field. So I wasn't in the office. I was traveling every day and stuff, but yeah, I've always known that it's like every two weeks I get a paycheck. And with my current job, I'm salaried. So like I did the whole grown up thing the other day. I made a spreadsheet of like, when do I get paid and what bills go to each paycheck? And like, how much money will I have left over? How much do we put to savings? How much do we put towards paying off the car? Like, I was like, who yeah. the fuck is she? What is she doing? Yeah. And <laughs> but, it's also like when you are a freelance person and especially that works, one that works in different fields like I do, yeah. when you have like little chunks of money coming from different sources, mm-hmm. it's, it is, it definitely takes some time to like wrap your head around like, Oh my God, this check was for $200. Oh my God, this one's for $150. It's hard to wrap your head around, like, just relax, tally it all up at the end. Yeah. And then see where you are. Like, don't, can, don't stress at one particular piece of yeah, it. Yeah. I can understand that a little bit because, like, my dad is a farmer. He, yeah. He farmed crops specifically. So it was like he made money in the fall. Yeah. Like, Spring, like winter, spring, summer, we're, we're racking up the credit cards. The business credit cards have $80,000 on them because Mm -hmm. all the money comes in the fall and then we pay everything off. Like, and I just, and and that's, my dad actually doesn't farm anymore because especially for like small independent farms, you just can't do it anymore. Like there's so many big mega farms that it's like, there, there have been years where at the end, my dad lost money. He paid to work his ass off. Oh my like, gosh. <laughs> so it's, I mean, it's just crazy. The whole farming industry and like climate can be like a whole episode on itself because there's so oh much god. there. So yeah, like, oh my put, god. Yeah. And they so people put so much of their identity on how much they're able to achieve by earning. And then like mm-hmm. it, it literally makes you feel like you have no worth if you're not meeting that potential. Um, yeah. Also, did you know that 35% of the US say that that leisure time is wasteful? 35%. Are you fucking kidding wasteful. me? Wasteful. I heard someone You know also, who said that? It's who? all the CEOs who want to push that message to their I <laughs> to you their know what? I could see that, but I could also I mean literally just me. Me. Yeah. I think that sometimes and I have to like I have to re like like reel myself in and be like, "No. You're you're doing fine. Mm-hmm. You're it is okay to rest. And it's okay." Yes. And you I have, have to. Yes. 
we'll talk about that too. And someone also termed it the cult of productivity. That is a great, great way to put it. The cult of productivity. And it's so true. Like, I mean, I would call my dad, but he's dead. So (laughs) R.I.P. So I have no one to call. Oh I guess I'll call God. you now, Courtney. Okay, you call me. I'll t- I'll tell you. I'll be like, Kyle. You tell me if I'm in a cult. Turn the fucking turn the fucking computer off. You're in a cult. Yeah. <laughs> so the next one, I'll be uh, your dad, is one that I know you're gonna really love, and it's called hashtag girl bossing. Ugh, so, I hate it. I know this idea of like women working hard and achieving more and climbing the ladder, and like shields our eyes from like the systemic issues that women, especially women of color, face, like lowered wages, discrimination practices, and it oftentimes mm-hmm. gets women into these hustle cultures and precarious financial situations involving MLMs, which we've just going to say. Yeah, yes. I was going to say when I hear the term "girl boss," I was like, "Oh, okay, so you fucking sell Herbalife." You know what? You can make your own schedule, Courtney. You can be your own boss. All you have you to do is sell these leggings. And they'll send you on a vacation. But you know, you by can the make way, only Cadillac? six people out of 42,000 get picked. But like, right. you can do it. This pink Cadillac could be yours if you sell enough Mary Kay. But no. So <laughs> then you like, so you're having all like this girl bossing, which is like fueling all this like gig culture and side hustles and like, and with the boom of technology, we have like the ability to pick up shifts whenever and wherever or yeah. sell things whenever and wherever. And it's increasingly showing that it's it's actually harder and harder to make adequate income from these gigs and side mm-hmm. hustle work. Did you know the average monthly amount, payout amount for gig hu- gig hustling no. <laughs> for, is like uh, $686. That's Holy it. shit. You the can't, average. that's not even enough money for you to be alive. So take that, like, that's the average, but 49% of people in the gig culture and hustle and side gigs were saying they make less than 200. So almost half of the people are making less than 200 a month doing like these hustling. Jesus. Isn't that crazy? That just like blows my mind. That absolutely blows my mind. The thing is that it blew my mind when I read it. And then I think about my experience doing gigs and hustling and like creating Mm -hmm. t-shirts and doing design and stuff. And yeah, I could absolutely see that. And if that was my only source of income, it'd be over. It'd be done. Yeah. Like it's a wrap. (laughs) That's so crazy. That And that's like, I feel like a lot of that, you know, a, a, a lot of that is like, people have, I don't know, I want to call it like the Amazon mindset of like, well, why should I pay you $50 for this product when Mm -hmm. I can get it for 15 on Amazon? Well, one, because that shit's made by a machine in China on shitty, on a shitty t-shirt versus I'm getting you this nice 100% cotton t-shirt. I've designed the logo. I'm printing Mm -hmm. it myself. I will deliver it to you. Like, and that they have to pay for the time. It's yeah. not just the product. Like you have to be paid for your time. Yeah. And so many people are just like, well, why the fuck would I pay you? I can get it for half the price from Amazon. And it's like, yeah. okay, well, it's going to be a worse quality. And who knows what kind of company you're supporting, dear God. So yeah. I used to do woodworking when I had a, a previous job because I had access to a, 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 work, a workshop. And you're a jack of all trades. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I 
If I don't know how to do it, I'm going to find out how to do it. Um, And so I used to make things literally by hand out of wood. And people would be like, oh, that's so expensive. And I'm like, I literally made this with my hands. Can you make this with your hands? No. And then, you know, you get to a point where you're like, well, if you can't afford it, you can't afford it. Don't, I I can't tell you what you can afford, but this is the price. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So I, I don't know if you can hear like the little tinge of resentment that's in there, but I feel it and it's totally justified. It <laughs> should like, be there. You have all this 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 experience where you're like, I'm working so hard and I'm trying to make things better for myself that it creates a culture of resentment. And uh, I mean, right now we have access to more information than ever before. And with that comes access to more commentary. And we're seeing more and more people realize that, realize the exploitation in the workplace isn't great. You know, it's yeah. not, now that we think about it, it's not, it's not cute. Right. <laughs> and like, especially in some of these older industries, they will take and take and take and take from you disproportionately without giving back to you in an equitable way by like, you know, raising your salary to an equitable, like a living wage or like mm-hmm. giving you perks or letting you work from home. It's like, no, no, no. I'm just going to keep taking until you realize that you don't want to give anymore. Yeah. And people are starting to say no ma'am on mass. And yeah. I, I think that's really exciting. <laughs> I I completely agree. And that was kind of how I felt leaving my old job and going to my new one. Like when I had my little exit interview with like our supervisor of like, why are you leaving? And I was like, um, my hours are going to be more standard. There is no travel required. They are paying me so much more. My, you know, medical stuff is covered. I have unlimited PTO. And he was just like, we, we can't beat any of that. And I was like, you won't, Yeah, you could. Mm-hmm. but you won't. Cause that was always the thing was, it was like, we don't have the budget to raise the salaries. We don't have the budget to do that. We can't afford to do this. And it's like, no, you're just choosing not to spend your money that way. Because I look and I see that you're sending all of the salespeople with their spouses to Miami for a week to stay in a resort and go golfing and have big dinners with keynote speakers. And like, yeah. you fucking have the money. Like you're you. just not spending it on us. Like, right. Don't bullshit me. (laughs) Right. And I think that's how, like, what we're seeing right now, like, the great resignation. And, like, Mm -hmm. which I think is fascinating because I'm like, who are these people leaving jobs? Like, who's doing this? And if you're fortunate enough to do that, good on you. To go for it. Make that change. Because there's so many of us out there that are like, I I can't afford to leave. I got to work. Yeah. Um, I think a lot of that, too, is, is directly because of the pandemic. And I know I read an article, I think it was on Washington Post or maybe CNN, that they were talking about how the pandemic has disproportionately affected women and minority workers. Oh, yeah. Because they're the ones that have had to give up their jobs and stay home with children and take Mm -hmm. care of kids and take care of us because, you know, daycares aren't open and preschools aren't open and someone has to be home with the kids to do the homeschooling. And it's disproportionately affected the workforce that so many women are like, well, Guess I can't work anymore. Bye. Right. Exactly. And so it's not just people that are like leaving to do hustle culture. It's not people that are also just being burned out. It's people realizing that like, this isn't working for him anymore. Mm-hmm. And there's a better way to do it. I had so, a friend, this is kind of a, a little off topic, but I had a friend years ago that she quit her job because when she was pregnant, she and her husband were like budgeting. And she was like, we looked at it. And with the amount we were going to be paying in childcare, my salary was only going to give us an extra like $100 a month. And Get so it. it was like, why would I 
work 40 hours a week to essentially make so little when I could just stay home and take care of the kid myself. Right. And so that's what she did. She stayed home until her daughter was in school. And then she was like, now I can go back to work. But it was like, sometimes you're forced out of it. Yeah. I've actually heard variations of that story from so many women. And it's like, holy crap. Like, I can't imagine that. But at the same time, it's like, yeah, Why'd you that's, have a kid? that's what works. <laughs> <laughs> like, you know what? That's what works. And that's yeah. kind of like part of the human toll of this hustle culture. Mm-hmm. We're experiencing like unprecedented, like rates of burnout and especially in millennials, but across the board, you know, something that's funny that I came across in my research um, when I was looking at burnout um, is the term Americanitis. Have you heard that before? I haven't, but I can imagine exactly what it is. And it's probably, <laughs> it's, it's spot on. So back in the late 1800s, hey, bootstraps, like the, uh, <laughs> the America was like trying out its, its hustle culture beta program and people were becoming burned out. But back then it was like thought of as like a positive thing. Like your tired brain meant that you were an active, hardworking American and the, the term burnout started as Americanitis. And they even like had like serums and like all kinds of stuff that could help you with your Americanitis. Get some of that Coca-Cola with cocaine in it. That'll cure it right now. Get get you going girl. (laughs) But you're going to love this, but it was only used for upper white class Americans of course, because no one else besides them overused their minds because no one had the capability of it. Fuck. Uh, America you? is so racist. <laughs> Assholes. So, so, oh uh, so I have thoughts on what Americanitis is today. It's like it's like what you get when you've watched people jump out of two collapsing towers and seen two financial collapses and then like humanitarian crisis after humanitarian crisis mm-hmm. after humanitarian crisis. So I think that's what Americanitis means today, coupled with the fact that you're working and not getting anywhere. Yeah. So since we're on this topic of burnout, I wanted to talk about a little ways that you can recognize burnout. Mm-hmm. Um, and this, this is, I found this really useful um, because for a long time, like these were, it, it was hard to hear this because it made me, but it also made me feel better at the same time because I went for almost a good year thinking I was literally a shit person because I had no emotion, no empathy for anyone. And I thought something was wrong with me. And now looking at this list, I was like, fuck, I was just burnt out. Yeah. Like You're like, am I, I becoming a psychopath? Is that what's happening? I literally no, you're had just that thought. Out. Yes. I literally <laughs> had that thought and told Joe, I was like, something's wrong with me. Like, I don't care about anything. And so these are some ways that you can like help recognize burnout. Like mm-hmm. it takes longer to do tasks at work or at home. You're procrastinating um, in order to avoid work altogether. Mm-hmm. Uh, you make more mistakes when you're doing your tasks. You lose interest in parts of your job or how your hobbies that you used to really enjoy. Uh, you feel more anxious or depressed and you feel less able to listen or care for others. And oh, I was shit. like, all right. Been like, there. Well, it's like, wow, I'm not a psycho. I am not a sociopath. I'm just burnt out. Yeah. So another part of the human toll on um, of hustle culture is like the financial ruin that people get into because they're just, they're either like joining these Ponzi schemes because mm-hmm. they got to make something work for them yeah. or like these MLMs and they just get in over their head and they just 
work themselves into ruin, quite honestly. Um, and then also like the reduction of like people's lifespans because they're like having increased anxiety, depression, mm-hmm. and insomnia, which just like overall decreases people's health, yeah. which, you know, it's rough. It's rough burnout. And this toll that on this thing that we all thought was really great at the time, like being able to be our own girl boss all the time, yeah. it really has real tangible um, consequences. It really does. Yeah. And I think that, you know, this is such an important topic because we still are getting those messages from like the generations ahead of us, specifically Mm -hmm. like the boomer generation. So many of them are still pushing that narrative of like, well, you better settle down and buy a house. I can't fucking afford it. Right. Like I can't afford that on my own, like on, on just my salary. Like I am not married. I don't have anybody to like go in. I keep telling my best friends. I'm like, can we just all like form a coven and just get a big house together and adopt <laughs> 30 dogs? Like, let's just do that. We'll live in a dog sanctuary. <laughs> It'll be great. But I mean, and people are starting to do that. Like millennials yeah. are starting. I just read a story about two women that they're both single moms. They bought a house together and they're like co-parenting each other's kids. Love that. Because they were like, we can't find a house on our own why not just raise our kids together in the same house? And then we all have a space. And it's like, it's, we're, we're breaking the mold and kind of becoming more unconventional, but I think we're still getting that pushback from some of the older population of like, well, you're not doing things the right way because this is the way we did it. And this is the way everybody did it before us. And this is my favorite thing is like tradition is just peer pressure from dead people. Oh, I love that. That's all it is. That's all it is. (laughs) I'm so glad you brought that up because like, I I really wanted to dive into like, how do we ever move past this or will we ever move past this? Yeah. And I think that we're literally in the process of seeing it happen right before our eyes. Yeah. I was going to say, we're watching it break down. We are watching it happen. What a time to be alive. This is legitimately the suckiest timeline to be on, but it's also kind of fascinating. Um, I wish we could fast forward like 50 years, but... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but uh, I think it's really fascinating. Like it, we're in the process. No, sorry. Go ahead. What were you going to say? Oh, I was just going to say it definitely is. Yeah. yeah. I was just and agreeing. we're like in the process of like seeing a lot of things happen with work culture um, before our very eyes. And the pandemic, like you said, really, uh, and and the widespread use of TikTok really opened our eyes to a new world. And yeah. we can see the underpinnings of the work world we used to embrace and like take part in. Um, and I, I think like our generation and younger generations are a lot more outspoken about this stuff too. Um, I always love the meme where it's yes. like, you know, boomers that are like, did you hear that Steve is in therapy? And me, I'm like, guys, let me tell you what my therapist said to me today. Holy shit. Like, yes, <laughs> I will tell everyone I'm in look, therapy. Like, look, here's the thing. Go to therapy. You go to therapy. If you're listening, everyone. call a therapist right now. <laughs> Seriously, I did not go to therapy for so many years because I was like, yeah. you don't go to therapy unless you have like a severe mental illness Wrong. or some very large traumatic event that you have to work past. Yeah. I went to therapy. It has changed my life. Me too. I agree. <laughs> I mean, granted, the impetus was from, was my dad passing. So it started as grief therapy, but it turned yeah. into something way more valuable than that. Yeah. Mine um, was just a mental breakdown during the pandemic. <laughs> oh, girl. So if you're listening, uh, go to therapy. It's wonderful. Go to therapy, yeah. Um, so yeah, space, better help. Hit us up. <laughs> give us give us a coupon code. <laughs> right, exactly. I'll use it. Um, um, so yeah, the like 
inequity and, and systemic way that our co- economy has been shaped to disadvantage future generations, we're seeing that in real mm-hmm. time. Yeah. Like people pointing out, especially people that have been in these industries and in our government, like coming out and being like, no, this is how these things were built. This is exactly the way it's supposed to run. And we're just seeing it because now it's defaulting and it's falling apart. And I think we're going to continue to see that as our generation moves up through the workforce. We become, you know, the CEOs and the VPs. Like we're going to see that more, even within my own company, our VP, I think is like under 40. I'm pretty sure. Like our CEO, our founder is a young guy and they're huge on like, take your time off. Don't, don't overwork. Like we want you to work 40 hours, but don't be working a lot more than that. Like don't burn yourself out. You need a day off, take a day off. It's fine. Whereas my old job, it was like, what do you need a day off for? What are you going to do? Are you traveling? Mm -hmm. Where are you going? Are you going to the doctor? Get a note. It's none of your business. Like it was so ridiculous, but I, I feel like as younger people move up, we're going to see more of that. Like, Hey, you need to have that balance. Everybody hears the work-life balance. We all know that term, but it truly is life altering right. of like setting that boundary of like, listen, I will give you 40 hours, which is again, bullshit, um, <laughs> separate topic. Um, I'll give you my 40 hours Monday through Friday, but like, that's it. Everything shuts yeah. off at five o'clock and I'm done. I'm not Make looking that boundary. at it. I'm not taking my phone with me on my vacation in case you need me. You don't need me. Yeah. You at don't. All. What if I wasn't here? Someone else would take care of it. You're smart individuals. You can figure it out. If something is truly an emergency that needs to be solved this moment, I'm not your person anyways. Yeah. I can't do it. And with all this stuff, (laughs) yeah, exactly. (laughs) It like showed us that there's like a better, there's a better way to live. And at least, at least one that's better for all of our collective mental health. Mm -hmm. And we can be more productive. Um, We, well, we can be just as productive, if not more by avoiding commutes and offices and working from home. I read this uh, Harvard Business Review that found that employees between the ages of 30 and 45 in mid-level positions, they've seen the highest resignation rates from their jobs. Like in November, 2021 alone, 4.5 million people quit their jobs. Like, good on you. Let's see how this works. When I, yeah, when I left my last job within like a a six-week period, like 10 people quit out of a department that only has about 50 people. Oh my God. And more people have left since. Like people are just over it. People are like, it's not fucking worth it. I'll find something else. (laughs) Yeah. And you know, I think it's really, really important to examine like how, how we move past this because it's so easy to be like, oh, we're, we're moving past it. But I, I, how, I think people yeah. need tangible steps on yeah. if they're in this situation, like how they can kind of refocus their energy and, you know, rework in their brain how this could work for them. So yeah. some, th- some of the things that I found out were like, you need to schedule downtime. If you are one of those people that's like working, 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 mm-hmm. like you need to schedule downtime in your calendar to give your brain and your body time to regroup. Um, and that will ultimately help you ultimately help you reach any sort of goal that you have because your your body will have time to rest and recharge and your brain yeah. will have time to process what the fuck just happened over the past week. Yeah. And turn your phone off. Don't look at it for a day or yeah. whatever. Like just zone yeah. out. And Breathe. make those boundaries. Like girls, when you're off work, you're off work. Like you were just saying, don't respond. That work will still be there when you get back yep. on the clock. Um, or someone's going to fix it for you. 
Like, yeah. I, and I know I'm guilty of this personally. Like I have my work email. I had not have on my phone and it's a hard habit to break. You're, mm-hmm. you're, you're already on your phone. You might as well just answer that one email, you know? Yeah. And it's a trap. It is a trap. Yeah. It's, it's definitely hard to, to break yourself of that habit. Um, yeah. but it is really helpful. That's where I got to the point where it was like, I don't have any work stuff on my personal phone. My work phone goes on to do not disturb at five 30. I mm-hmm. turn off my computer and close it. So it's like, I don't hear any notifications or anything like it's, it's done until eight 30 the next morning. I'll log back in, but yeah. it's like anything that happens after five 30 total, it'll be there tomorrow yeah, or Monday. I don't, I don't need to see it. Doesn't and matter. So when, when you're logged out, and you're taking a break from your roadside lemonade stand to make extra money for your wedding. <laughs> like, take a moment to re-examine why. Like, yeah. why why you're hustling so hard? Is it for the right reasons? Do you do you have an end goal in mind with like a time frame? If so, that's wonderful. Like, yeah. you're working towards a goal, and there's an end in sight. Go for it. Work as hard as you can, um, but still taking breaks. Um, or are you just obsessed with working? And if you are, stop it. Just stop this it. Is- yeah. And it's such a cultural thing too. Cause I remember when I studied abroad in Italy, I, I was like, Americans are living to work and yes. Europeans, Italians are working to live. Like oh, yeah. when my mom came to visit me, we were walking around and she was like, it's so crowded in the piazza. What? It's a Tuesday. Are people not working? I was like, Oh, well, this is like the first nice day that we've had in like a month. So they just took off work. And she's like, they just took off work. I was like, yeah. yeah, you can definitely just be like, yeah, I'm not coming in today. I'll see you tomorrow. And they don't feel <laughs> guilty no at all. No. They're just like, That's, this is what it is, honey. We're about to take some time off. <laughs> Have you ever seen the meme where it's like comparing out of office replies that it's like an, a European out of office reply? Um, I will be camping from May until September. I will return your contact when I'm back. Like, I'll be out for three months kind of thing. And then like the American one is like, I'm having an appendectomy. I will be out for three hours. Um, I will try to respond as soon as yeah. the anesthesia wears off. And I'm like, it's so <laughs> true. It's so right. true though. Like I'm literally in labor. Someone hand me my phone. Um, and the thing is like, you're going to feel guilty as Americans. We're going to feel guilty when we take a break. That's like deeply, deeply embedded too. into us. Yeah. And I think it's important to recognize that feeling. I have named her Barbara. And <laughs> when you're feeling that, like you tell her, you hear her, but her services are not needed right now. And to hold your calls, like yeah. that's all you need to do. And like, I'm resting, bitch. Don't yeah. forward Back me any off, calls. Barbara. <laughs> Because like when you realize you're in the cult of productivity, you can realize that there's other ways of doing things, like a way yeah. that involves giving yourself a break. Like this is one of the the biggest things that I've learned over the past year is like, give yourself a break. Don't be so hard on yourself. Yeah, absolutely. You know? Absolutely. I always, I don't know why the the image just popped into my head from Pretty Woman when she makes him like take the day off work and like go to the park. And mm. she's like, take your shoes and socks off, let your feet touch the grass, turn the phone off, read a book. Look. Like, it's like, we we all need a Vivian to break mm-hmm. us, to break us out yeah, <laughs> and teach us how to chill and like enjoy a day. And it's, I mean, it is just the littlest things like you don't yeah. have to do some big extravagant because I think a lot of people are like oh well if I'm not working then I need to like be on vacation I need to go do something and like well no because then you're gonna overwork yourself saving up money for your big trip right. like for me yesterday I turned off the computer I watched the dog I sat on the balcony and I had a gin and tonic and I read a book for an hour it was Love so that. lovely 
It was so lovely. Yeah. You don't have like, to do something crazy on your break. Yeah. Just you can watch four episodes of Our Flag Kids Means Creek. Death if that's what you want. Yeah, exactly. There you go, yeah. Take your dog for a walk. Like yeah. the the sheer like amount of dopamine that you get from just being mm-hmm. outside in nature is indescribable. Uh, uh, yeah. Yeah. You know. And I I think kind of I mean this is getting into it a little deep probably but I think another issue with hustle culture is the fact that everybody is working so hard not just to show that they're working so hard but to make the money to buy the big material things that show oh, yeah. that like hustle like I hustled and look how great I am look at what I have look Girl. how awesome I am like I got the brand new Maserati or whatever like you fuck off I'm happy in my Toyota get away from me <laughs> I swear to God, you have a copy of my notes because that was literally the best segue into the next thing. Listen, because it's it's because we're Taurus. And we true. just are on the same wavelength. Okay, so being also with that, being a Taurus, we like material things. We like comfort, you know. Yes. But uh, another thing that you can do is, and I'm I actually think this would be a great topic for a future episode. But yeah. it's a concept called downshifting, um, mm-hmm. and it's adopting long term voluntary voluntary simplicity in your life. So accepting a, accepting a lifestyle that involves making less, but also consuming less. Um, I want it. Yeah. We need to, we need to do a whole episode on this. We're, I will do a whole episode. Cause I'm going to research for myself. I'm like trying to do that. I've been yeah. slaughtering my closet, getting rid of so much stuff. I was like, why do I have seven pairs of jeans? I wear we the same it. three. We why do I have seven? It. Like, yeah. So, um, and I don't know if you've seen, but Iceland is currently testing out a model where the work week has been cut by four to five hours each week with the goal of making it a 32-hour, four-day work week. Yeah. Um, and according to an article that I read in CNN Business that it's been an overwhelming success yeah. and found that working less is perceived as having more control and freedom in one's life. Now, yeah. I I think that's great for Iceland. I think that's great for Europe. I think that would be such a cultural shift in America because of just how we're built. Um, But I would love to see that quite honestly. It's also, I think there are certain jobs that could do that very easily and some that could not. Um, Cause I know, I don't know if you've ever looked much into like the history of the 40 hour work week. Like it became very Mm -hmm. popular when like Ford was coming, you know, with like the industrial time, whereas like you needed eight hours of production to get things done. Right. Whereas now so many jobs, it's like, you know, you get a job to to revamp logos and come up with new website designs and stuff. You, you don't need to work eight hours a day on that. Courtney, that likely, was kind you know? of right. It goes back yeah. to what we were talking about earlier, where yeah. in that in that particular mid turn of the, like mid century USA, right. um, we were unionizing because of all of these labors, and that's where the forty hour work week came from, is because people yeah. were they were working so many hours that. It was like, no, we need these unions to bargain so we're not working as much time. And I feel like now, especially with like corporate jobs, like the jobs that I've worked, sometimes it's like, okay, I've, you know, I I came in really focused at nine o'clock. I got all my stuff done. Like it's three 30 and I don't really have anything else I can do today, but I have to stay on the clock for two more hours. So I hate that so much. And it's like, so I'm supposed to like make up work for me to do to like fill the time. That's so dumb. If I've gotten done what I need to get done, my day is over. Yeah, I agree. I should be done. I should be right. like, cool, peace out. See you tomorrow. Right. And I think that's something that 
you know, again, we might see with, with some of the younger companies starting to adopt things like that. Cause I know mm-hmm. that was a big shift for me from my old job where it was like, you had a set number of days off. You got so many when you started, once you hit five years, you get more, 10 years, you get more. Yeah. Now my job is just like unlimited PTO. And it's like, they've done studies to show that when you give people unlimited PTO, they sometimes take less because they, they know it's, it's available. I, I want to like, I'm going to wrap this up, but I wanted to say we've been like really hard on hustle culture this yeah. episode and which is fine. It's fine to be critical of it. And yeah. I know there's people out there being like, but we've seen success stories with hustle culture. And yes. I wanted to make a note that yes, hustle culture can work, but statistically it only works in cases where people have like existing capital to invest in new projects or existing fame to leverage these side products or projects off of. So sadly for average American people like you and me, like we'll never get rich from our side hustles. So basically stop dreaming of a housekeeper, Courtney. It's not going to happen. Stop it. God damn it. I have to keep doing dishes. Just don't let it be your whole life. Like, right. There's a fine line between like being an entrepreneur and being a workaholic. Yeah. And I'm, I very firmly am of the mindset of like, you should not put things off. Tomorrow is not a guarantee. You don't know that you'll be able to do it. So like do it now, enjoy life. Now you only get one. You don't know how long it's going to be. Yeah. You may never get the opportunity if you don't take it as soon as it comes to you. And that's a perfect way to like go into like the takeaways that I had from this whole thing in that Mm -hmm. like hustle culture is like, it's, it's a system based off our notion of the American dream. Like, and once you start reframing that notion of what the American dream means for you, you can break out of that mold. Yeah. Um, Also, it's been around way longer than I thought, but just in different iterations and different communities. Um, Also, it doesn't have to be this way. (laughs) We, the people have power mm-hmm. to change how things are done and can alter how we see work and culture in this community. I mean, yes. in this country, like we have the power to do that. We just have yeah. to do it. Absolutely. Um, and it's okay to reassess how you view success in your life. It's, yeah. that is fine. That's part of being a human. And yeah. it, it doesn't have to be the same status quo all the time. You can reassess how you view success in your life. And lastly, take it easy on yourself. You only give this yes. one life. Take it easy. Yes. There's a time you, for struggle and there's a time for relaxation. And you got to balance those two. Yeah. And when you're being hard on yourself, I always like to tell people, think of that inner voice of either one, is that inner voice talking to you or your best friend? Would you tolerate somebody saying those things about your best friend? Don't mm-hmm. say it to yourself. Or name two, her Barbara. Yes. Name her Barbara. Or another personal favorite of mine, um, when your inner voice is being really nasty and mean to you, Pretend your inner voice is Donald Trump. Would you listen to fucking anything that man has oh, to no. say? No. Go fuck yourself, <laughs> Don. So I want to uh, cite my uh, where I got my stuff from. There's yeah. a, a, some great articles. Uh, one from Fulcrum called The Origins of Origins and Consequences of Hashtag Hustle Culture. A video by Wisecrack called Hustle Culture, Why We Can't Stop Working. An article from CNET called Hustle Culture is Facing an Existential Crisis with Millennials. And an article from Taylor's University called The Truth About Hustle Culture. These were all really fascinating, especially the Wisecrack video um, on YouTube. If you're really interested, look that up. It was really awesome. Um, Really eye-opening. I love Uh, it. So yeah, thanks for... 
uh, coming along on this journey with me today, Courtney. Yes. Oh my God. Thank you for doing your homework. You did a great job. A plus (laughs) plus gold star for Kyle. Yeah. And you know, (laughs) thank you guys for listening. This has been really awesome. And I hope that you guys got uh, out of this as much as we did. Yeah. Yeah. And you know what we like to do at the very end, Courtney? What do you got for me? All right, Courtney, I've got your, what would you rather question? Okay. Oh, I'm so scared. If you guys don't know, Kyle always picks the most like upsetting, but hilarious. (laughs) Would you rather? So I'm like very nervous right now. I'm like, oh, I'm sweating. I'm so funny. It's so funny. You said scared. So would you rather be scared by Michael Myers once a day or spend the weekend at a Ted Cruz themed festival? Oh God. Oh God. Kyle, why, why do you do this to me? Um, I am such a wimp. I haven't even watched any of the Michael Myers movies because I'm so (laughs) scared for someone who loves true crime. I am a fucking big baby. I won't watch scary movies. Um, Oh God. But you said it's a weekend Ted Cruz festival weekend activities and all. Like Friday through Sunday. Friday through Sunday, yeah. You're staying on the resort. (laughs) With a bunch of people who love Ted Cruz. Oh, my God. Um, God. It's not in Cancun either. (laughs) (laughs) That's the only place it could possibly be. What are you talking about? No. No, it's at Mar-a-Lago. It's It's at (laughs) Mar-a-Lago. Um. Oh, as nauseous as it makes me, I think I would have to go with the Ted Cruz Festival because I know when it will end. My <laughs> life, if, if Michael Myers is scaring me every day for my entire life, hopefully my life will be long. Ted Cruz, it's like, okay, I've got, I've got three days, three days and then I'm out. You I can roll my eyes. bag with you at all times. I was going to say, I'm like, I can roll my eyes. I can make nasty, snarky comments. I, True. I, I would fucking hate it. I would need a lot of therapy that next week. I would have a session every day, but <laughs> I think I would go with the Mike Myers every day just because I think it would eventually turn into like um a Jean Parmesan situation with Lucille Blue. <laughs> He's not going to kill you or stab you. He's just going to scare you. Yeah, but that could kill me. You get up there. That'll give you a heart attack. You'll be dead. True. You'll be 80 and be like, that's it. Sorry, Mike. That's the last scare. <laughs> oh my god awesome all right guys thank you so much for joining us today we will talk to you next time bye Bye. i will sit here and watch six episodes of schitt's creek thank you very much (laughs) if you work far work hard Hey friends, it's Courtney from Kyle and Courtney have questions. Thank you so much for tuning in today. Be sure to leave us a review and throw us a five-star rating. If you enjoyed this episode, if you didn't like this episode, we are the Joe Rogan experience. (laughs) Thank you for tuning in. We appreciate you all so much. Bye.